Okay, so um, I'd like to, uh, to just say that we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I had a Zoom call with my brother Josh um, about a week ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you have a story that I want us to hear, and uh, you know, stories are usually five minutes, uh, hour and 15 minutes later, our Zoom call ends, and uh, probably three quarters way through, I said to Josh, this is a sermon, this is a message that we need to hear, and so over the past week, I've edited it down, it's okay, it's not an hour and 15 minutes, um, but uh, I really believe that Josh has something that uh, we as a church need to hear, um, that is linked with our theme for these next few weeks, which is good news for, for tough times. Uh, Josh is a street evangelist uh, in Wales. I don't know many street evangelists. He's probably the only street evangelist that I know. And uh, his stories and uh, his encouragement and his challenge, whether you are a street evangelist, any street evangelists here? Okay, no street evangelists here, but regardless of whether you are a street evangelist or not, uh, I believe that we need to hear the stories that he's sharing and the uh, encouragement and the exhortation that he brings to us this morning. So let me pray and then we will watch this, um, this uh, conversation that ended up being a sermon, uh, this five-minute illustration that ended up being a sermon. Lord, I... Uh, I pray that you would speak to us through your servant, that as we hear Josh, that we would hear you, and that uh, you would challenge us, you would encourage us, and that we would know that even though we are in a broken world, uh, that there is really good news for, for really tough times. Uh, speak, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello everyone, uh, so my name's Josh Wallace, uh, I am the younger brother of your pastor Dan, um, I live in Wales in uh, the UK, uh, the wettest place in Europe, um, and for uh, my job as it were, my calling, I am a street evangelist for uh, an organisation called Open Air Mission, uh, which has been going since the uh, middle of the Victorian times in the 18. 18- about 1850, 1860 time, uh, that seeks to do um, open air preaching and one-to-one evangelism throughout the main cities in, and towns in South Wales, whilst also going up into the little towns and villages uh, in, um, in the valleys. Um, I am married as well to my wonderful wife, Mandy, my better half. And uh, yeah, and she is a midwife um and yeah and she's uh, a lover of the lord and her herself though she is english she was brought up in bolivia as a missionary kid and spent the first seven years uh in bolivia of her life 
What does a typical day look like uh, when we go out to evangelize? We normally start with uh, prayer for a couple of hours. And then after that, we go into the town. Uh, we have a board, uh, which we have a, a visual talk on. Uh, these things can often be really helpful in terms of interacting with the public or to give a focal point for the preaching. And then we normally set up a, a table uh, next to that board with lots of books and free free uh, literature for people to take away. Uh, and whilst one of us is preaching, you know, we are doing one-to-one conversations. Um, and the want then is also to try and link them to a local church, right? So people have been shared the gospel, or they've been given a track that shares the gospel, but ultimately we want them to, that to go in towards discipleship, which we can't do because we're going from place to place. The reason that I do this, you know, one is found in scripture, right? When Paul talks in Romans, he talks about, you know, how will they believe unless they hear, how they hear unless someone preaches, right? And and all those different things. And even when we look all throughout the uh, the, the history of the church, there's always been people who have gone and, and openly declared and proclamated the gospel. Um, also, uh, I believe that uh with, with the word that is preached, that God is the one who pricks their hearts, as we see in Acts 2. And so if we preach the gospel faithfully, then God is still working today, as he was all the be- at the beginning of the genesis of the church, that he is still acting and moving in people's hearts. Uh, the other reason why we go out and, and do this is because we believe that this is the purpose of the church. We, we are not supposed to be inward looking, but we are supposed to be outward looking, right? We are, we are told to go, right? You know, often we can, we can pray for God to bring people in the church, but we're not going out to the highways and the byways to go and, and call them in. And, and this is why I want to go do this. You know, I still believe that God is acting. I still believe that it's the gospel that saves people. And I still believe it's our mandate to go out and to share the gospel with all people. You know, uh, uh, it is a countercultural thing. The gospel is countercultural, right? Paul talks about that. He said, you know, you know, if I was if I was speaking a gospel that was, you know, pleasing to man, then I'd be preaching a different gospel, right? It is it is offensive. It does challenge us. It is, you know, the complete antithesis of what our society lives right now but we still believe in the power of God and that he is able to convict people of their sins and to lead them towards the savior. And so this is the reason I do it. You know, I, I, I believe, you know, I may not be the best preacher. I'm not, you know, I I still get nervous and there are far more eloquent people than this, but I see the need, you know, and, uh, and I was just, I just said to the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm willing, you know, I believe that you can help people. You look back to Moses, right? And it says that he he had uh, almost like a stammer, right? Or he was slow of speech, yet God used him to be a mouthpiece. Or you go to Jeremiah and he says, Lord, I'm too young. And he says, don't you tell me you're too young, right? And so we can always come with excuses saying to the Lord, you know, I'm not good enough for this. But then actually let's reverse it. And why am I not? You know, is God not the enabler of all people? And I guess maybe the question that I asked and maybe all of us can ask is why not me? Do you want to send me Lord? And then just be willing to uh, accept his yes or no and, and to be obedient with that. But I guess that's the reason why I do this.
best way I could sum up my testimony is probably the story of the prodigal son. Um, you know, I was brought up in a Christian home and uh, we, we went to church and, you know, I went to the youth groups and all these different things. And I went to Christian summer camp. But uh, when it came to university and me leaving home, you know, I went to the ways of the world and I sought after hedonism, right? And I, I did all the worst things and all the sins and all the lusts of the flesh I took part in, you know, and I, I forsook God. You know, I went after drugs. I went after philosophies, you know, even looking into the Middle Eastern, uh, not so, sorry, not the Middle Eastern, the Eastern religions and, and thinking about, you know, Buddhism and, and all these different types of things. Um, but I had a lot of anger towards God, you know, and uh, my 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 Christian family, you know, they knew this, you know, I would say, don't you bring up God to me. I said, I'd rather die than become a Christian, right? Funny thing is you do have to die before coming, becoming a Christian, right? And so, uh, yeah, but, you know, for me, it was an impossible thing for me to ever come to love God. And I, I was angry against Christianity. I was angry against Christians and I wanted nothing to do with God. But then God began to call me. And I, uh, I remember one day, uh, you know, having a change where that animosity towards God turned to curiosity. And I started to look into books about Christianity. I started to listen to sermons on the way into work. Um, and there's a real spiritual battle going on. Now I know that it's a spiritual battle looking back, but I almost felt like my mind was splitting. It was a really dark moment, right? And I felt like I was on the precipice of one end and for me to stay here, but then something was yanking me to the other side. Um, and this went on for, for several months. Um, and I also talked to my brother, Dan, who is your, your pastor. And, uh, and I remember it just culminating to this one night where Dan said, you know, I think, you know, you, what you need to do, mate, you're, you're beating around the bush. And I remember giving my life to the Lord then and submitting to him. But I remember it wasn't until several uh, months afterwards where I was traveling in Southeast Asia, where I really felt that absolute surrender happened to God. Um, at that time, I was suffering with fear, anxieties, depression. And, I, and that's something I've always had suffered with. And I really felt like but that, at that, that time that God was wanting me to surrender everything to him. And, it's, and someone who was always fearful about the future and always wanting to have control. This was a really, this was touching my, 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 my sensitive nerves. Like, don't you touch that part. Um, and I felt God was like, no, I want you to surrender your, your job, your wants, your ideas of what the future is going to look like. And I want you to follow me. Um, and I remember I, I tested God, right? I was weeping and I said, well, if you're, if you're, if you're going to want me to surrender my life to you and to follow what you want to do, I need you to prove that you're ahead of me and leading me. And uh, currently at that time I was in a place uh, called Cambodia. Um, and I said to the Lord, you know, I'm going to go to this random place called Kampong uh, Chenang, um, which is a backwater uh, village. No traveler ever goes there. And I said, I want you to show that you're ahead of me and leading me. And I remember that day I was reading Psalm 4610, which said, be still and know that I am God. And so I got on this one minibus to this place and I, I got off the, the minibus and there was this little tuk-tuk waiting. And in broken English, the man asked me, where do you go? And, uh, and I said, You're, you know, I don't know where I'm going. You just take me to the first uh, hotel. Um, and so he took me there. And as I was about to sign at the reception desk in a big plaque, 
framed on, on the back wall at the reception. It said, be still and know that I am God. And I, and I just remember laughing and joy just came over me. Just, you know, you know, almost like the audacity of God, right? Like, it's, you know, obviously he's, he's not audacious at all, but just, you know, it was just hilarious. Just, just how, um, how specific he was. And so I have gone from being a hater of God to a lover of God. And, you know, I've gone from someone who suffered with fears to where I am now. And the only thing that's changed that is God and just allowing him to change what he wants when he wants and to be obedient, even when things are like, that's not my job that I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to go here. I don't, you know, just to say yes. Right. And each time just watching, he is faithful. He is faithful. You know, he has ideas for us and challenges for us that are, you know, way beyond our understandings and often way beyond our capabilities. You know, uh, the a, a person who comes to my head right now is Gladys Aylward. I remember that she uh, hated children or not hated children, but she, you know, the last thing she ever wanted to do was to work with children. But then God used her to do a mass exodus of of uh, of children through Japan, right? And so she was a mother of many children. And and this is the reality of God is don't tell him your capabilities. Just give him your obedience. And uh, and so I've watched him challenge me, change me, humble me, you know, and I'm not the finished article, you know, far from it, you know, constantly God's showing me where I need to change. And, uh, and you know, I'm just that work in progress. And, and all, more often than not, I am a stiff-necked, uh, and, and I'm not a, su a supple person in the potter's hands, but, you know, my longing is to be more malleable in his hands and to not say no, but to say yes. So, yeah, that's my testimony anyway. Do I ever get nervous? For me personally, there's nothing uh, that I would feel more uncomfortable with than, than preaching in public, than having all eyes on me. This is something that I really don't like. Um, and often God does call us to those things that we are uncomfortable with, right? We live by faith and normally faith is a thing that is out of our own reach, which God has got to help us with. Um, I think someone had an analogy of faith once and, uh, and it was to, to climb the stairs looking into a pool which had not yet been filled. And God says, jump off the diving board. And as you jump, the pool fills. And I think that's what it was like when I first preached is uh you know i'm gonna have everyone look at me you know what what happens if i you know forget what i'm saying what happens if people come and punch me what happens if i uh, my mind goes blank what happens if i stutter you know all these different things you know what happens if i sound wrong um yeah so many different things that you can think in your head but you know sometimes you just have to hold on to the convictions of the lord that he has promised to help us in these things this is something that he wants us to do and therefore going forward. And uh, I remember my legs were like jelly the first time I went, you know, and and I think this is a very contested ground for, for Satan anyway, right? The last thing that Satan wants us to do is to share our faith. Do anything else, just don't you tell about Jesus, right? And don't you start telling people that they can come out from underneath my yoke and come to the, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so there is going to be a battle and he is going to use whatever he can to give you fears and doubts and makes you feel like you're a failure and all these things. Um, but, you know, the first time I pushed through and as I committed to it and began to speak, I just felt the strength of the Lord coming behind me. And uh, and I guess, 
you know, faith with experience just fuels further faith. And so now when I get up to preach, I don't fear so much because I have seen time and time again as God has come through. You know, there are times where I've been debating someone and God has given me a thought which I have learned from as I spoke it. And I was like, wow, that's a really cool point. I've never thought of that. And so you're learning on the go because God is literally giving you the words to say to defend the truth. And and so obviously we we subsidize with with our learning, right? We uh, you know we make sure that we study and make ourselves approved. You know we we know we we spend time uh, looking at the the big questions of societies today. We look at the the different thoughts and religions that are going on and and studying how to make a defense of the truth because we know that the truth will handle all these things and that there are keys in the truth. Uh, that will will conquer all these different viewpoints and ideologies and religious uh, belief systems, right? But even when we don't know these things, I have watched God come through time and time again and and give me uh, examples and words and arguments that were beyond my knowing at that time. Uh, For for instance, uh, I was speaking to a Sikh woman once, you know, and she had this belief, you know, that, that all gods, they are the same, you know, um, and for, for that, I, I used the law of non-contradiction, right? And uh, and I said, you know, I'll, I will use, uh, I'll, I'll give an example of Islam and Christianity. And with Christianity, we have uh, God and he has his son. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And, uh, and it is only through him that we are saved. And then with Islam, it says God does not have a son. Right. They cannot be the same God. If one says this, this is my beloved. And then one says he has no God. And then this thought I'd never had before because I never really talked to Sikhs. But I said to her, I said, you, you believe that we are all gods in Sikhism. And she said, yes. And I said, well, what your what is your greatest boast in your religion is our greatest shame, because it goes back to the Garden of Eden where where Satan uh, tricked us into being as gods. And we took a bite of that forbidden fruit. So what you boast about is what we see as mankind's fall. And I remember saying that, I was just like, gosh, like I'd never thought about that, never had any of this. And and I believe that that's God's help in that moment and able to witness to these other people, even if we haven't got the knowledge of these things. Um, so that's what I would say is, yes, it's fear. There, there's a lot of fear and you have to conquer it. But the more you do it, the more you step out and the more you study, and, and you realize that God, through this, you have the answers to these different questions, then uh, you can conquer that fear for sure. I have seen some people, I would say, manifest in front of me when preaching. Uh, so when I was in Cardiff once, uh, I was, was just preaching on the love of Jesus, right, and the forgiveness. There was nothing at this point, um, you know, uh, challenging to the sinner, as it were. Uh, but a man walked past and he had he had bought himself... Uh, some brand new stuff and he just took it out of the bag and he just smashed it onto the floor and smith smithereens and swearing and yelling and screaming at the top of his voice right you know like he just smashed his own stuff that he just bought it came at a cost to him you know and so yes there are times where there's anger yes there are times where there's challenge and a woman came up you know challenging me and pointing me in my face the other day right but uh all I can say is that God shields you at those moments. You know, it feels almost like there's an invisible barrier between them and you. 
Well, uh, my friend and I, my, my friend Chris, we were praying about where we should go. And we felt that we should go to Abergavenny. It was a word came to us, this place. And uh, we'd never been there before preaching. And uh, so we, we got upset there. Uh, we got set up there. And my friend Chris, he began to preach. And I began to, to speak to people one and one and to give out tracts. And the, one of the first people who came up to me, um, I said, you know, I, I opened up the conversation and said, you know, have you ever heard about Jesus? What are your thoughts? And he says, I have, but I haven't got time for you at the minute. You know, I've got to go open up my shop. But he says, if you want to come with me to my shop, then uh, then you can you can come with me and you, we can talk about it there. And uh, he had a mobile repair shop and I entered into this shop with him and I started to speak to him uh, about Jesus. Um, at that time, he'd gone to a Jehovah's Witness um, church and, and had wondered about that. And he was he was wondering about the different religions and which is the right way, which one is the true God and all these things. And I was sharing about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but in this talk, um, I mentioned God as father, which I never normally do in, in my gospel presentation with people ever, ever, ever. I never mentioned God as father. But I said that God is a good father, you know, and he knows how to love us. His, he is trustworthy. Uh, you know, uh, he demonstrated his love in sending his son in order to call us his own and all these things. But just as I was mentioning about God as father, this man got a phone call uh, and his father had just died. And uh, I heard the conversation on the phone and I, I just sent up a prayer. I was like, Lord, help me in this situation. You know, sometimes I can be a stoic kind of guy. You know, I'm not the feely feely. And, you know, for me, myself, I'd be the worst person to put in a room with someone to console them after losing their dad. Uh, and so I just sent up a quick prayer. Um, and uh, the man just started, he came off the phone and he started crying his eyes out. And he's like, no way, no way. Like he said, that's just absolutely mad. You were literally talking about God as father. And now I've just had my father die. Right. And he could see the sovereignty of God here. You know, I didn't even need to say anything. He, he saw it as a miracle. Um, and he saw this as a sign of the truth. Um, and uh, and after that, he just like, please tell me more, mate. And uh, I remember there was like maybe two or three customers that had come in and he almost was uh, angry and impatient at them being there. He just wanted them to get out, you know, and, and as soon as they shut the door, he said, carry on, carry on. And so I just shared with him the gospel even more and uh, and shared with him about his sin and all these different things. And he accepted prayer and uh, and he accepted the Lord there and then. And uh, and, and and that was that time. But uh, he did. He did say to me also um, that he didn't have a good relationship with his father, and uh, you know he's like, I'm not going to go to his funeral. You know that that man's never done anything for me and things like that. And uh, you know I said, can I can I give you some wisdom and insight? And you don't have to take this, but I feel that it's important. And uh, and I told him about forgiveness, and you know that the heart of Christianity is to forgive. Uh, is to forgive others. Why? Because God has forgiven us, right? It's to remember of all the great things that God has forgiven us and the pains at which it costs God to forgive us. And so we forgive others. And I said to him, as God begins to change your life and God begins to change your heart, you will think differently about this situation. And I said, if you don't go to the funeral now, I believe that you are going to re regret it later on in life. And what I said was, I said, you know, 
ask God for the strength in order to go. Ask God to, to be able to help you to forgive and give that the feelings that you have and all these things, give it to God and help him to process it. But I said, if uh, if you don't go, I believe you'll, you'll regret this later on in life. And he was crying and he was like, you're right, you're right. You know, and uh, and so that was the the end of that story, and I and I walked away from him. You know, we we told him of a, a local church that we think would be good for him to go to, um, but we just see there in that moment how God can just use you in a specific place at a specific time to reach out to a specific person going in that in their own specific walk, right? And uh, and it just shows the sovereignty and the intimacy of God that He knew how to reach that guy. In that specific moment at that specific time and he pulled one of his children from a totally different area to come and meet him at that moment and i guess it's quite similar to what we see with uh with with the eunuch and philip right in in acts but um yeah what would you say to uh someone who hears a story like that josh and they say well you know you know josh is a street evangelist he's a missionary this is his calling. Of course, these cool stories are going to happen to him. Uh, but, you know, but nothing like that has ever happened to me and nothing like that ever will. There's, there's a quite a large percentage of the church right now. I think I was reading recently about 95% of Christians haven't shared their faith with someone uh, in the last year. And I know that there can be lots of thoughts about uh, you know, some are gifted evangelists, as we can see in the Bible and, and things like that. And that's not my natural gift. Um, and that may be true. And maybe God has given me more of a gift than others. But, you know, it also talks about some people are gifted givers. Right. And and for them to give generously. Does that mean that I don't give? Right. Or, or some are to serve. Right. And to serve faithfully. Well, does that mean that I don't serve? No, just because some people may have a gift and, and they prioritize that doesn't mean that it means all of us are exempt from that gift you know and i think jesus's words for us to go that was a mandate for all of us for all disciples to go and to to preach the gospel to every creature right and uh, and it may be different there are different ways in which we do it you know there might be open air preaching there may be door to door you know, there may be friendship evangelism and having people and doing hospitality and inviting them into your home, which I think is a massive one uh, that we don't do. And it's huge and it, it, it can be incredible that that fit that way. Um, but I would say, you know, rather than saying it's not for me, why not ask God, should I be doing this? You know, and uh, and often people can say, well, God hasn't told me to do that. And it's and and I I would respond to them. Have you asked him? Have you said do you want to use me today? Who would you like me to share my faith with? And that can be a really dangerous prayer because he does want that. You know, you know, Jesus Jesus being here was to make the Father known. This was one of his mandates, right? And we are part of that mandate, right? We have Christ living within us, and the Holy Spirit was given to us to empower us to make the Father known to make the gospel known, right? And so this is actually one of our core things, to preach the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? And we believe this, that this must go to every tri tongue, tribe and nations as a testimony to all the world before God comes and, and Jesus comes in the second coming. And so this is all our mandate, you know? And, uh, and like I said, you know, this isn't something that 
I was naturally gifted in, you know, it, but, but God's helped me and it's grows and stuff like that, you know, and it's okay sometimes to get it wrong or it's okay not to know everything, you know, and, and that can be a sign of humility and just being like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question, but maybe you and I can meet for a coffee and we can, I can go research it and we can go through it together. Right. And so there you've shown humility and there also you've opened up an opportunity to go and speak to someone again. Right. And uh, and and so that is what I would say is when they say, well, that's not me. Uh, it may not be, but but God can do that. And so I would spend some time asking God, do you want me to do this? How do you want me to do this? What way can I can I make myself ready to go do this as well? Um and, and because I do really believe, you know, for me, I, this is a challenge that I would say to you now. You know, we are told that the, the summation of the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I cannot think of any more loving act for you, both your neighbor and for God than to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you are bringing honor to the son, which honors the father through the gospel being shared. And you are loving your neighbor in the most beautiful way because you are telling them that there is a, an opportunity to not to go to hell, but, but in order to have sins forgiven and for them to spend eternity with their God and, and to give them that hope. And so, you know, for me, but do all the other things because I don't want to distract from, you know, you know, caring for the poor and the sick and the needy. We need to have the outworkings and the physical outworkings of the gospel. But we do also need to tell people the, 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 the truth of the gospel as well. So, yeah. How do I begin to, to start talking about Jesus, right, with a complete stranger, even my family? And I guess it can be different, right? Um, me personally, when I when I go out and, you know, I'm, I'm cold calling, as it were, people, right? I don't have a relationship with these people or anything like that. And so I've got to start from there. Um, and for me, I, I start with questions. And I think this is the most powerful tool in evangelism is asking questions. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, you ask them questions. And so normally when I when I come in, uh, I asked this, I said, can I ask you a quick question? And then I, I open up with, so what are your thoughts of Jesus? When I mention that name, what are your thoughts of him? You know, and why do I do that? Because normally that tells me where people are, right? Or, you know, I don't want to believe in that rubbish, you know, what a fairy tale, right? Or some people today is like, oh, I've never heard anything about him. Or, you know, and, and normally you can gauge where you're going to go with that conversation. So someone who's never heard anything about jesus you know you said well can i spend two minutes to to share with you why and normally i'll start from the beginning right i'll start with creation you know i'll say you know when we look around this world we see that that, that there must be a creation that there was a purpose that there was a designer i you know and, and I'll, I'll use that apologetics of uh you know this this world around us shows that there's a a creator just through the intricacy and the purpose of, of it all, right? And you, I, I, you can spend more time looking into that and how to expand it. But I'd start with God as creator, and I would start with us having a relationship with God. Then I would go into how, you know, sin has separated us from God. And maybe I would walk, talk about the, the problems that we have of our heart. And, and I'll explain that God is a just God. You know, the same way a just judge cannot turn a blind eye to a criminal, 
so God cannot turn a blind eye to the wrong things that we have done. And then obviously mentioning how the justice and the mercy of God came together and Jesus Christ coming and being our substitute. Yeah. And so that's for someone who's never started. And, you know, you've got to you've got to summarize the, the whole Bible. Right. Um, other peoples, they have had, maybe have problems with religion, you know, it's like and, and then just speaking and empathizing with that. You know, often I can I find people who have come from a Roman Catholic background may have had some issues when they were younger and, and stuff like that. And, you know, and and just walking them through that, you know, and, and say, you know, if, if the if the person acting wasn't in line with the teaching, it doesn't mean that the teaching was bad. Right. It means that the person was bad. Right. And so let's look at what Jesus said. Right. And if they didn't act like this, then it's not Jesus that was wrong. It was that person who was in the wrong. And so maybe looking at that. Um, but so that's normally how I would start is maybe asking, you know, what are your thoughts of Jesus? And keep asking questions. You know, um, many people, they 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 throw ideas that they say that they have a, a belief or an idea, but their beliefs hang in midair. They've never they're not grounded in anything. Right. They, they have lots of statements. So it says, you know, I believe in science. Right. They, they'll they'll say that. And uh, and but science can't disprove God. Right. It's, 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 it's a it's a false argument. Why? Because science only observes, you know, your five senses and God is spirit. And so actually science is it, it, it isn't a good enough observation. It's limited in terms of approving and disproving God. Right. And and so, again, with a science person, I will look at the world around us, you know, and it's not chaos. You know, it, it, it doesn't look like, uh, you know, it's just it's just happened and fallen into place and it doesn't look like a mess, right? It looks like there's laws that govern it, there's rules and there's, you know, there's patterns and there's structures and, and all these different things. And all of this, you know, has points that has fingerprints of a designer, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Obviously you have your own testimony, right? And testimonies are massive and that is personal to you, right? No one can share another person's testimony, right and uh, some people may think oh yeah well you know i haven't got one of those you know cool testimonies where i've been shot twice you know and died five times and you know fell off a cliff and still lived and god saved me right you know and some people may think oh you know i don't have that i grew up in a you know a christian home and you know there's nothing miraculous about it but there is right god's kept you right and you haven't lived in the shocking things of the world and you haven't had to take all the, the baggage and the wounding that sometimes can happen when we go astray and we can go in, into the world and, and love sin. Right. Sin always leaves a scar. And so you can talk about how God has kept you and sheltered you from those things that so wounds and scars other people. Right. So don't ever think that your testimony just because it doesn't have, you know, a blockbuster, you know, sort of line in it isn't good. You know, and, and God can work through your testimony and, and your own personal testimony is a really powerful thing. Um, but 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 often, like I said, with questions, you 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 give that person value and saying that they are worth listening to. And so they will respond in listening to you. Right. And, and so having that dialogue um, and and then I don't know, it can be different with each person, just but, but it can be like, look, can I just share you? with you something that's really important to me right and it's so important to me and it's so precious to me and it's completely changed my life but i just want to share it with you would you mind if i did that 
you know, um, because I believe that what's changed my life and what gives me hope right now, you know, I believe it is for you and for anyone who would listen. Would you mind, you know, spending that time, you know, and you'd be surprised what conversations can happen, you know, but accept to be rejected, right? Accept people to say, no, I don't want any of that, right? You know, I don't, don't come near me. You know, just just allow that to happen. Right. Because ultimately we're here to please God, not man. Right. And it's God who is looking upon us. Right. And God sees the trying. God sees the rejecting. God sees all these things. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, don't do things. That's the other thing is don't do things for. Um, uh, f- uh, sorry, I, my mind's gone blank. Don't do things for results. Yeah. Okay. That's the other thing about evangelism is do things because you want to be obedient to God and you want to love these other people. Don't do it for results because if we if we do it for results, then uh, then on the days where it's hard and the, the days that we think it's not working, you know, we, we can become disheartened. Right. And, and so we do it based on our belief that God wants us to do it and that God is able to work right and and sometimes you can be uh, on a dip, different stepping stone right you might be the first person who god uses to speak to that person or the fourth you know you may be the person who implants that first interaction with god and you may not be the finisher right or or there may be someone at the end and in in john 4 uh, in it, it talks about there being those who have planted the seed and those who reap right and actually both of them celebrate together right and they're, they're both needed aren't they right uh so without the one who reaps the laborers uh, the one who sows is is empty and without the one who sows the reaper can't do anything and so they both celebrate together and so you may be the one who's just planting the first seed or the second seed or whatever it may be and you may not be the one who brings them to jesus but you know but get their name commit them to christ in prayer and trust that god can bring other people further down the line to 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 begin or to to water the work that you've begun and and so yeah i I definitely say that don't look for the results rather in faith just do it and know that god can can use this and, and make it grow multiply further on down the line yeah so what am i finding a lot on the streets at the minute well um especially in wales um, I am finding that there's a rise in the occultic uh, practices. More and more people are pagan. More and more people are turning to witchcraft, uh, to seances, uh, to divination and all those different things. This is growing a lot. Um, I'm meeting high priestesses and witches and warlocks and uh, and people who are Satanists. You know, even uh, two, two days ago, I was in a place called Merthyr Tidville. Um, and I was finishing up my preaching, but a guy had been listening to my message for about five minutes. So uh, I got off my stool and I, I uh, went to speak to him. Um, and he had told me that he had recently been in the Mormon church. He'd recently had uh, some Masons invite him into their Mason lodge. Um, but he felt like he could never come into a church. So he would he would sit outside a church and he would pray um and uh, and i explained to him you know the, the the differences between mormonism masons and and christianity and you know and i mentioned how obviously satan 
is, is prevalent in all these, right? So Mormonism say that Jesus is almost a spiritual brother of Satan, you know, uh, within Freemasonry when they when they come from the 30th degree to the 33rd degree, which is the steps in which they ascend, they find out that their great architect that they worship is Lucifer or Satan, right? And obviously then Christianity says Satan's the great villain, right? Um, but then the guy, when I said this, he said, uh, I've been reading a satanic Bible for, for a while. And he says, as I've read it, you know, I've got more and more angry and I've been feeling that I want to murder someone. Um, and he says, I've just been having rage and things like that. And he said, last night uh, I came to the end of it and uh, I punched a hole through my through the, my wall um, and I ended up burning my satanic Bible. Um, and I said, did you hear some noises coming off it? And he says, yeah, I heard some strange wailing coming off this. You know, even my my missus, she uh, commented on this. Um, and I said, let me guess, you've been hearing voices in your head as well whilst you've been reading this. And he says, I have. Um, and uh, and then I obviously explained to him, you know, this book is demonic, you know, and uh, and that spirits work through this. And I said, I have no doubt that, you know, as you've been reading this, this anger and this want to murder and do all these different things has come as a result of doing this. And so you were right to burn that book. Um and I explained to him the gospel, including about the second coming, right? Christ has come once, he's coming again, and he's coming to bring an end to, to Satan, and uh, he's going to cast Satan along with all the fallen angels into the lake of fire. Um, and I could just tell in my spirit, I was like, you're angry at me when I'm saying this. And he says, yeah, I you know, I don't know why, you know, but, uh, I, and I felt it was, these spirits were getting angry that I was talking about this end. Um, and he said, you know, I, you know, my, my place is in hell. I've got to go with them, right? I, I can't be free. And I said, no, no, no. I said, Satan is the created and God is the creator, right? Satan is subservient to God. And if you submit to God, then Satan's got to do a runner, right? And, uh, and, and so eventually he accepted prayer from me. Um, and uh, he asked of a local church that he could go to. And I told him about that. Um, and he hugged me three times afterwards, right? But I find people are being caught up in the satanic world at the minute, people are getting into witchcraft and stuff like that. And, you know, and lovingly, we've got to come alongside these people and show them their error, use the word of God, right? Because lots of people can even think that they're serving God by, by being a medium. I had it happen a, a month ago that they believe that they love God and love Jesus whilst being a medium, right and and so meeting these people and showing them in the bible where these things these things are seen as an abomination and because we love them we want to show them the right way to go the same as a doctor right tell someone that they, they've got an illness in order to take the life uh, saving treatment or precautions right we want to come alongside them in love and say look we don't want to see you go that way right and so we want to use truth to challenge that error because that error is going to lead to you going in a wrong place. And, you know, through Jesus Christ, God is willing to forgive all sins, right? You know, the blood of Jesus can cover all these things. Um, but I am finding more and more people, like I said, are in this occultic thing. And I also just want to put out, don't be scared of this, right? He who is in us is greater than he that's in the world, right? And uh, and these people really need prayer at the minute. You know, they're, they're really held by, by Satan. And, and there's more and more who are finding this this route.
in the in World War Two, there was uh, this this saying in Britain, and it was "Keep calm and carry on." And uh, and I think this is something for us Christians that we need to have right now. But we, with the emphasis on the end, is this: keep calm and carry on because He's coming. Yeah, Father, I just thank you um, that you are a faithful, powerful, and sovereign Lord. And uh, I want to thank you that we are your children, and we thank you for the truth in the Bible, Lord, that if our God is for us, who can be against us? And Lord, we know that there is a mandate out there to go and make the gospel known unto every creature. And Lord, we are your people, chosen and set apart for this work. And Father, what I ask, Lord, is uh, that you would raise up people, that you would raise up harvesters for the, the fields that are ripe. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, work on the hearts of the different people who are hearing this. And Lord, that you would call some to that task, Lord. Call some to be laborers, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would grant them the Holy Spirit, Lord, that they would be empowered from on high to be the witnesses that they will want to be. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort them and encourage them. For, Lord, this can be a really fearful task to do. And, uh, and I also ask, Lord, that you would uh, embolden maybe different people who are here listening to this prayer right now to ask this question, Lord, do you want to send me? Lord, do you want me to be someone who speaks? And Lord, do you want me to be someone who wants to share this gospel, whether to my friends, my family, or to complete strangers? So please, Father, the, the days is late and the need is great. And so I ask you that you would do wonderful works for the glory of your name and for the expansion of your kingdom. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.